Monday, May 21st, 2018. This is Born the Battle, brought to you by the Department of Veterans Affairs. I am your host, Marine Corps veteran Timothy Lawson. Tonight at 7 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, you may remember me mentioning this on the last episode uh, last week, uh, tonight at 7 p.m. on the DAV Facebook page, so the uh, Disabled American Veterans official Facebook page, they are going to have a event, uh, a, a Facebook live event, where they are going to tour a vet center and a mobile vet center uh, to show and display the capabilities and the services that are offered at our vet centers and uh, how veterans can connect with them in their local community. So uh, it's a very cool event. Vet centers are awesome. Uh, definitely check that out. 7 p.m. Eastern Standard Time tonight on DAV's Facebook page. May is Mental Health Month, and uh, one of VA's leading mental health uh, resources is Make the Connection, and you can find their content at maketheconnection.net. And it is essentially a hub of content um, that where veterans have shared their stories regarding mental health. Um, and the, the stories are so vast, I'm not even going to try to uh, categorize them, or, or but um, you know, looking at just some of the, the headlines, transitioning from service, maintaining healthy relationships, managing PTSD, um, and there's just countless videos and stories that are available on that website, and it's a really great way for veterans to hear from other veterans and for family members to hear from other veterans about how they have moved on or that how they've coped or how they have dealt with or how they have embraced, uh, whatever words you want to use there, um, their mental health situation um, and how getting services and treatment from VA has assisted them. One of the things that we did for Mental Health Month, um, and one of the things that Make the Connection did, uh, was we, we did a YouTube live event uh, near the beginning of the month. Uh, it was a panel that I hosted, and it featured Marine Corps veteran Moses Maddox, who is a veteran that is featured on Make the Connection. You can He has shared his story there. Uh, and then Dr. Wendy Tenhula, who um, works here at VA and works alongside Make the Connection uh, and within mental health. We have a discussion on... Uh, on Moses's experiences, he shares his experience and why he got treatment and what that experience was like. Uh, Dr. Tenhula offers the medical and VA perspective on treating veterans and how um, and where veterans can uh, reference some of these topics at Make the Connection. Um, and then just sort of collectively, we have this, this discussion on veterans and mental health and the importance in recognizing that, you, that treatment is needed, that services are needed, that some sort of support is needed, um, and how veterans can recognize that within themselves, how family members can support veterans, how veterans can help their supporters. Um, and a number of other things. So um, here is the audio from that 
panel discussion. If you want to watch the video, um, it is available on Make the Connection's YouTube page. Just uh, go to YouTube and search Make the Connection. Uh, you'll see the green circle with the white star that is their channel. Um, and our uh, YouTube live event is, is available there. But uh, here is the audio from that event discussing veterans and mental health. Well, thank you for joining us. I am Timothy Lawson, Marine Corps veteran and host of VA's first official podcast, Born the Battle. Uh, today we're kicking off Mental Health Month uh, with Make the Connection. Uh, I'm here with uh, Dr. Wendy Tenhula and Mr. Moses Maddox. Thank you uh, for joining us. We're going to talk about mental health, uh, seeking support, seeking treatment, uh, and the benefits that that can have and how family members can also get involved in, uh, in their uh, loved one's personal health. Uh, so can you two tell us a little bit about yourselves um, and your, sort of your role in the veteran space? Sure, thanks Tim. Great to be here with you today. I'm Wendy Tenhula and I'm the Director of Innovation and Collaboration for VA's Office of Mental Health and Suicide Prevention. And in that role, I have the privilege of working on Make the Connection, which is VA's national outreach campaign for mental health, um, as well as overseeing and, and working with several national programs within the VA. Thanks for having me. My name is Moses Maddox. I'm a veterans retention counselor at Cal State University San Marcos. My main focus is career placement for veterans, but we do it through a really unique way, through a holistic approach that we call whole person wellness. And we focus on not only career advancement, but making sure that your physical health is okay, your mental health is okay, financially you're okay, family you're okay, spiritually you're okay. Wonderful, thank you both for being here. We're gonna spend uh, the better part of the next hour uh, um, discussing mental health. Uh, Moses, we're gonna, we're gonna start with you and um, I'd like to learn a little bit more about your service uh, in the Marine Corps. And uh, yeah, we'll start there. Tell us about your, about your time in the Marine Corps. I joined the Marine Corps, I wish I could say it was for patriotism or duty. I just wanted to get out of Texas, to be honest. And uh, What part of Texas? Dallas-Fort Worth. Okay. Uh, thanks for watching. And <laughs> I, I grew up in Dallas-Fort Worth, and I, I saw on the map that I, I see the globe, and it's just one little speck on this big thing, and I wanted to you know, get out of Texas, explore the world, and the Marine Corps is the way. And I joined in 99, got out in 2006. I was in financial management for the first part of my career, and I, re I really remember vividly remember the Marine Corps before 9-11. And it was essentially having an office job. You know, you show up at 0730, you leave at 1630, you do PT a couple times a week, you meet with your buddies after work. Uh, the Marine Corps resembled more an episode of Office than uh, Black Hawk Down or whatever. But I um, also remember the Marine, how the Marine Corps changed after 9-11. And I ended up deploying twice to Iraq, once with Mortuary Affairs in 2004, and once with Civil Affairs in 2006. Okay. Um what prompted your transition out of the military then? Um, a variety of things, but the biggest one was I, I had a four-year-old son at the time, and he's, he's 16 now, and I just really was tired of missing him. It was really wearing on me, and I wasn't enjoying the Marine Corps anymore, and I was tired of missing my son, and I was faced with this de decision where I could be really well off, because the Marine Corps does pay well once you get to a certain level, and take care of my family through that way, or you know, take the risk of being broke and being a good father, being a father, be, being the type of father that I wanted to be, and I wanted to be there. And I just knew that I had this awesome little boy, and I had no clue who he was, and I just really wanted to figure this out and be a dad. So um, what, 
what experiences and were you having after your transition that prompted you to seek support? So what were you experiencing before you sought support? I did everything that one shouldn't do. Um, I alienated my family. Um, I was a hor horrible significant other, so the dissolution of you know, romantic relationships, I wasn't being there for my son. And in fact, I got out to be a father to my son. I realized one day that it had been a couple months since I've even seen him. You know, like I wasn't making the time. Um, I got out to be better professionally and I was getting fired from every job that I had because I was so confrontational and so irritable and so angry. And I was engaging in risky behavior, trying to recoup that adrenaline that I had in the military. And I was just frankly lost, you know, you know, essentially I dive bombed all my relationships, dive bombed myself professionally, dive, my, dive bombed myself um, financially. And one day I woke up and I had this moment of clarity. It was like day four of me not getting off the couch. And I was just in this really bad spot. And I had this come to Jesus moment that I realized that yeah, I'm, I'm the root of all of this. This I, I'm causing this. And I had two thoughts. And the first thought was the Marine Corps was all I was the Marine Corps was it. That's as good as I'll ever be. And everything else is just a downfall from that. Um, and maybe my time here is done. Like I, suicide was a thought. Um, and then after that, it's like maybe I probably should go talk to somebody. My family members had brought it up before and I ignored them. And, but I didn't have anyone around me. So I was like, all right, cool, so, I'll go try that. So you did have people in your life that were alerting you, alerting you that you were behaving poorly and that you needed to seek support. Right, and my ego was so big. You know, I was, I was, I was gassed up, you know, I'm, I'm Corporal <laughs> Maddox. I, I went to war twice, like I, I fight in martial arts, I do boxing and you know, I was, I was so full of machismo that them saying that something was wrong was almost an insult. You know, I, I took them more as being a hater and talking down to me than understanding that they were coming from a place of love and concern. And that was part of it. It was just pushing back whenever they said, hey, maybe you should go get checked out. Yeah. And only when they were all gone and and rightfully so, I don't blame them like <laughs> that happens. Um, once I realized they were all gone, then I was like, all right, maybe I should have listened or maybe I should start listening. You mentioned you experienced suicidal um, uh, behavior. Did you ever attempt? No. Okay. No. And what, what do you think the barrier was between thinking and attempting? What, what kept you from, from going down that path? Just didn't know what or where or how. You know, like I, it was just a thought, like, maybe I shouldn't be here, but I never really thought, like, oh, I should go do this. It was just like... So it was the philosophy behind it, not so much the, the, the actual want to remove yourself. Right, it, it was just, it really was, like, maybe this is it. Yeah. And it, it, was, it was also a scary thought because, you know, you have those thoughts of, you know, a little boy growing up without his father. And, you know, it, it was, there was a lot of fear that, like, maybe there's something better. Like, I don't know what, but there's, it, it can't be this. Yeah. Um, does your, how old your son now? 16. 16. It, how aware is he now of what you were experiencing then? Very. Okay. Um, I am a big proponent of positive mental health, you know, taking it seriously, that it's not a crazy sentence, that saying that if you need help or if you're feeling down, that's not a sign of weakness, that's a sign of strength, and that it's really, really important to talk about it. Um, I grew up, 
you know, the most the most access that we had with mental health was like Robin Williams on Goodwill Hunting. You know, the climatic scene with it's not your fault. Right. It's not your fault. And you start crying or how um, mental health was almost a punchline. Mm-hmm. Right. You need to go like, what was it? The Santa Claus where the bad guy was the psychologist who right. thought that. And like, so mental health was just not treated very fairly growing up as, as a thing. It was a punchline. It was just, it was a sign of weakness. And then on top of that, the narrative during those days, early two thousands was the PTSD was a crazy sentence. We were afraid to have PTSD and it was almost a threat. So when you're overseas, you had to fill out mental health forms and you're told that if you say yes to anything, they're going to keep you behind. Does he ever reflect on those times and t- tell you about what he was experiencing while you were going through that? No, he doesn't. Okay. Um, it, we encourage it. That doesn't really come up much. Um, you know, and part of the reason why I was doing this is to, you know, I have this platform to not only say that veterans do not have the market cornered when it comes to tra- trauma. Veterans do not have the market cornered when it comes to PTSD. Um, mental health is a very human thing. Like. Everyone has issues and it's okay for everyone to talk about it and really seek to change the conversation that it isn't a crazy sentence. It can get better. It will get better as long as you take those steps. Yeah. So Wendy, with everything that we've been talking to Moses about, we've learned about his experience in the military transitioning, seeking support. Um, what behaviors do you, do you recognize in his story there um, that you think are indicators that other people should be aware of when it comes to a mental health condition? Yeah, that's a great question and and great examples, Moses, of the kinds of things that a lot of people experience. Um, Oftentimes it's friends or family members who notice first that something's not quite right and might try to say something and those conversations might not go well um, and so they might be hesitant to bring it up again. And those can be really hard conversations to have um, as you experienced and and as as your family experienced. And... um, What I would say, oftentimes what happens too is people notice a change. And so that's what I would say people should watch for is in themselves or in someone else. So a family member might notice that their loved one is withdrawing from friends or family or is more irritable or is not doing something that they feel passionate about or have in the past felt passionate about and and so have sort of removed themselves from things that they would normally do. And um, the person themselves who's experiencing a difficulty um, might experience some of the things that Moses described, sort of not getting off the couch, you know, having trouble with relationships, having trouble with their job, having trouble um, kind of maintaining, keeping up with the things that they normally would maintain. Irritability, you described. Um, also, people may have flashbacks. People may have trouble concentrating. We hear a lot about um, trouble sleeping, which then, if you're not getting a good night's sleep, can lead to other difficulties during the day, trouble concentrating irritability, some of the things that I've already talked about, um, and also drugs and using drugs and alcohol, doing other risky behaviors, things like that. Again, watching for a change in someone's behavior is um, a clue that there might be something going on, that you might want to start a conversation with someone in your life if you're concerned about them. And um, you might want to ask them about how they're doing. Let them know that you're concerned. Let them know that there is help available if they are having difficulties. And that can be one of the hardest, hardest things is taking that step towards not just realizing there's something wrong here, but understanding that there's something that can be done about it um, and that there are treatments available. Um, that are effective, and, and I, I think we'll, we'll have a chance to talk a little bit more about that. But yeah. um, so 
I'll, I'll stop there, but I, but uh, you know, I, I think a lot of the things you described are very common things that people notice and um, sort of clues that they that asking for help might be a good idea and 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 that there is and the most important thing is for people to realize that there is support available and and that there there are effective treatments available if you realize what's going that something's going on so and and maybe maybe your answer to this question is exactly everything you just said but I'm gonna ask it in case there's there's more to add what what if I'm just sad right like and you know what if what if I believe what I'm experiencing is just is just tr- normal sadness right. um, should I st- should I still be concerned about the way that I feel or is there uh, is there a different way of approaching that I don't know if I'm right. I don't know if there's something to add there but yeah no that's a great question and that's one of the things that makes it really hard for people one of the reasons why people are hesitant to reach out for mental health support is that they don't realize that what they're experiencing is something that there might be treatment available for so if you're feeling sad everyone has days when they feel sad everyone has that emotion of sadness the question is is it bad enough or what you know where's the line between sort of um, feeling sad a little bit and something that's a treatable mental health condition. Um, and what I would say, the, the, the important thing to watch for is changes, if it's a change, that if you're feeling sad more of the time than you have before, or if it's affecting other things in your life. So if it's keeping you from getting up off the couch, or if it's keeping you from going to work or being as effective at work, or making you feel more irritable with your family members. And, and, and if there's a, so, it, so things to watch for are, if it's a change, if, if things are getting worse, and if um, it's affecting how you're living your life and the things that you're able to do in your life. Those are, those are two things to watch for. But I think, again, just going back to the idea that that's one of the things that makes um, the, encouraging people to seek mental health care difficult is because there's not a clear physical injury, right? If you, if you sprain your ankle or you have some sort of, you know, you have a fever for a few days, you know that you should go to the doctor. You have a physical injury or a physical illness that is clear, a clear change from how things were before. With mental health conditions, it's not always that clear. And people may also not realize, and often uh, another reason that people are often hesitant to seek care is they just don't realize that what they're experiencing is something that's treatable or is something that getting talking to a doctor or going and seeing a doctor or a counselor or a therapist about, um, that that can make a difference. Um, they just may feel like there's nothing that can be done. So, so to, to, to that example, um, of you know you have a physical injury you know you need it needs to be taken care of I think I think maybe then the question is how it relates to mental health is if I have a sprained ankle and I go to a doctor the doctor's gonna be like you don't need to come in for this like if, if, you, if you have a sprained ankle just stay off of it till it heals right like you know or, or if you talk to a doctor friend right and you're like you're like if you come in I'm just gonna tell you the, you know the same thing that you know you get off of it so then is if you're experiencing a mental health issue um, you know, if you're not someone who's used to addressing your mental health, then w- how low should the bar be to be that? And, and maybe cha- maybe a change yeah. in behavior is the fir- is one of those indicators. Mm-hmm. But what else should yeah. should be that indicator of like, okay, no, this is this isn't just get some rest type right. stuff. I right. need to go in and get treatment. Right, right. That's a great question and a really hard um, thing to figure out. What a couple of thoughts about that. One is the first thing you can do is try to learn more. 
so you yourself can try to like, is this normal? Um, you know, is this how I should be feeling? There are, and um, we talked at the beginning about Make the Connection. On the maketheconnection.net website, there's a ton of information about different mental health conditions, different types of treatments that are available, and um, where you can find help if you do decide that you're, you want to take that step to ask for help. I think the, um, the point there is to try to learn more um, about what might be going on, whether that's through Make the Connection, whether it's through reading, whether it's through talking to a friend or family member. You, that's another thing you can do is, is um, just bring it up. Like, have you noticed? Do you think this is a problem? Ask your doctor. There are, uh, you know, and a mental health professional or a healthcare professional can do an assessment. And I would much rather have people ask even if they're not sure and have the doctor say, no, nope, I think you're good. You know, just try, you know, let, but let me know if you, if things get worse, I would much rather have someone um, do that than have things get worse and worse and worse and have them not ask the question. Um, yeah. So I think, you know, both learning more, asking others who know you and care about you um, and checking in with a doctor or a counselor. Okay. Thank you. Yeah. Uh, Mo, as you uh, as you said, I can address your Mo now for uh, for the rest of the day. Um, tell me about the the support or treatment that you received, and um, and we'll start with the formal treatment that you received at VA. What was that experience like? For me, it was it was quick. Um, once I made the decision to like maybe I need to talk to somebody, I drove straight to the VA in Oceanside, and there was an old Vietnam veteran there, and I was like, hey. Need some help, man. And he was like, "Cool, let's get you some help." And it was that easy. <laughs> and uh, you know, he was an old Vietnam vet, and he was talking about his stories, and and he was the first one to say, "We all go through it." And that that was like, "Wait, what? Like, what?" You know, that was the first time someone admitted to me that they that they came back and something was wrong. That was the first part. Um, it was just really quick service by the VA. I was paired with the counselor and I had an appointment with my counselor within a couple days of saying that I needed help. And the counselor, our first assessment was her telling me how it was gonna go. And she was brutally honest, like, hey, like we're gonna we're going to take this head on. Like you're, you're diagnosed with PTSD. We're going to get you checked out for some TBI. We're, we're going to go through the entire thing, but you have to be patient. There's going to be days where it's going to be harder than some. There's going to be days where you're going to leave here feeling worse than the others. There's going to be days where you don't feel like showing up, but you got to. Like you're, you, there, can't, there is recovery, but you have to be patient with the process, and it's all a process. And uh, she was absolutely right. Some days where I didn't, you know, I, I think we've all been there where we wanted to go to the gym and, you know, or you want to commit to the gym and it's four o'clock in the morning and you want to get there at five. You're like, I just want to sleep. And yeah. you skip the gym. Right. And as you go through the treatment, it becomes it, it is really easy to skip treatment. It's it's easy to come up with an excuse, but it's in those moments where you don't feel like going that you should go because that's where that's where the improvement is. And that's where things started happening. And it took several months for. I, start, I started to see the incremental changes. I, it, it did take a while. And there was days where I just really, really hated being there. But you know, in retrospect, I'm glad I did. What was, and you're right, it's so like going to a gym and taking care of your physical health. Mental health is a practice. It's routine. The, the more you do it, the better you get at it. And um, you know, when you experience uh, depression or some an emotional or health crisis, um, you recognize it more quickly. Sort of, you know, and um, and 
in the same way that if you don't go to the gym, your body begins to atrophy, your mind does the same thing when it comes to mental health, right? And the, the more, if you stop practicing it, um, it can start to sort of wither in that way and become weaker. What, um, what was your support like at home after you started uh, seeking treatment? You mentioned that, you're, that you, your family alerted you, hey, we think you need to get some help. You finally got some help. What was the response like at home? It took a while for them to start trusting again. You know, um, as Dr. Tenhula stated, it's really hard to have those conversations and it's really easy to respond negatively to those conversations. And at some point people are like, all right, you're on your own. And rightfully so, and like, you don't blame them. They're not the mental health practitioners. They're just concerned citizens who want you to be better. But at some point, you know, you, you can only be so negative before it's starting to affect them. Um, so it took a while to build the trust. And there are some relationships that you know, were completely dissolved. And just letting those relationships go, understanding that I, I destroyed that, it's over, okay. But um, I, I learned how to be more patient. I learned how to say I'm sorry without making excuses. I learned how to be present and understand, like, I, I'm riding my own wave of getting better. They're going through their own thing and being patient with their own process and understanding they have to go about it their own way, just like I need to go, to, go about it my own way. And learning this wonderful word called empathy and meeting them where they're at and really just going with that flow and riding that wave. And it, it did take a couple months for them to start trusting and believing it, but we all recovered together in a way to where they trusted me. I was fully in, in, immersed with them and it got better, but it, it was a slow trickle. It's not, it's not that goodwill hunting moment where you say it's not your fault and you start crying. It's one day you realize that like things, things are pretty good. Yeah. But um, the other big piece of the treatment was understanding that there's no curing PTSD. It's not like they could wave a wand and you're cured. Um, I was taught how to recognize the symptoms, I, you know, like PTSD, anger management issues. Like I still have like the temper. I just recognize the symptoms way earlier and I'm able to address it in a, in a more positive way. And it doesn't mean that every day is going to be sunny. It doesn't mean that you're going to wake up happy every single day. You go through the ebbs and flows of life and some days are going to be harder than others to get up. But the most important part is learning that on those days where you don't feel like yourself and you don't feel super, you know, sunshiny and bright, that it's still important to get up. And you, you, you understand that's just a wave, ride this wave, it'll get better. And it took a long time, it took years to really, really get good at that. But it was a daily struggle to get there. And, you know, even now, 10 years later, there's, there's days, you know, you revert back. Um, but the more important part is like, hey, I'm sorry. Uh, you know, or talking to yourself, not letting that negative self talk like, oh, you're going back to loser mode again, or you suck or whatever. And I'm like, all right, you know, I didn't, I wasn't my best self today, but I, I'll, I'll come back tomorrow better and ready to crush it. Yeah. And it, like I said, it took a, it took a while and took a lot of treatments and it took a lot of not only just a formal treatment, but peer support and learning how to trust my colleagues and my comrades and my brothers and sisters and my family to be open and vulnerable. And it, it, me recovering was definitely a group effort. Yeah, it's a team sport sometimes. Exactly. You know, in the in in in, in that. You know, I think we, we often look at it as person who is suffering and then everybody has this equal support role. That's not true, right? It's you have person that is suffering and then you have this person who supports in their way and this person that supports in their way. Um, 
you know, you have the person that you go to when you're like an immediate crisis, and then you have the person you go to when you want to have that hour-long philosophical talk about life, right? And and so everybody supports in their own way. Um, you mentioned that you 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 sort of talk down to yourself. And one thing that I've learned in life that I'm still not great at, but I try to get better at is, is I try not to let, I try not to talk to myself in ways that I would not let other people talk to me, right? And so uh, I try not to insult myself. And um, you're talking about routines and, uh, you know, getting into a crisis or getting into a like depression or emotional, um, uh, you know, ebb, if you will recognize like we know how to recognize it and we know how to like treat it and i've realized that the one thing that i've struggled with the most is is reminding myself what it was like to get out of it right reminding myself that there, that there is an other side and sometimes when you're in a situation like when you're in, when you're in, a, in an emotional crisis where your feelings are almost dependent on an event, right? So if you're anxious about something or you think something might be going wrong with a relationship, you need that to be okay before you can get past it emotionally. Um, and in those situations, I have learned that I have a hard time convincing myself that there will be a brighter side on the other side of this. And, um, you know, my mother would always tell me this too shall pass. And, uh, she hasn't been wrong yet, so <laughs> uh, I suppose mother knows best. Um, so, can you speak to that on the um, on recognizing that you're in that space and trying to look past it, even though you're uncertain what is what lies beyond that? For me, I, we do. I think we have the same routine. Um, like, for instance, uh, this morning I woke up and wanted to run away to Patagonia to sell tacos instead of appearing here. Right? <laughs> like, this is this. Is a, you know, every you know, every time I've done media or spoke in front of a crowd, or even there's times where I'll work with a student one on one and just second guess myself. Like, was that the best? was that the best thing I could have said right then and there? Like, self-doubt is to be human, it seems, right? Um, so that, that negative self-talk happens in all walks of life, not just, oh, I'm, I'm depressed and I don't want to get out of bed, but like, man, is someone going to, you know, completely roast me in the comic section of this thing once it goes live, right? What are they saying right now, right? Um, and it is that where I, I think about that, but also I think about where I'm at, where I'm at right now and where I used to be. And I vividly remember what it was like to be that low. And I vividly remember what it was like to just to, to be in that space. And I don't know what's next from here and I don't know what's next tomorrow, but I do remember yesterday and I do remember 10 years ago and I, I'll do everything I can in a positive way, not out of fear, but out of just, I really enjoy my life and not all of it's great, but um, you know, not all of it's, you know, there are struggles in life, but I do remember vividly what it was like not to have that. And yeah, yeah it's, it's perspective. It's understanding that it's a day-to-day -day thing and you don't want to get too comfortable. You want to enjoy yourself, you want to be present, but you don't want to be comfortable thinking like, yeah, I'm okay. Because yeah. in those moments, that's when like, it'll just rail you and you're in that spot and you're, how did this happen? What happened? And being present in your own life, being self-aware, having those positive conversations with yourself and knowing that it's a process it has been super helpful, helpful, helpful to me. Yeah. Yeah. And I want to jump in and, and comment on, on something sure. that both of you have, have described a, a um, really powerful thing where the first thing is recognizing it. So recognizing when you're 
getting back into a, a, a negative self-talk sort of mode or recognizing if you're having a day where that isn't your best day, um, just by recognizing it, what you guys have both described is now, now that you can recognize it, you can do things to change the way you're thinking. And, cha- and then that in turn changes how you're feeling. And that gets you closer to being able to see how things were when they were better again. And, and really being able to focus on, um, so, so there's that, the, the, the sort of recognizing it. And then that's what allows you to be able to change it, that, that negative self-talk. And then um, the other thing that I wanted to comment on is, is both of you described um, being able to sort of pick out something positive to build on. So uh, you, Moses talked about how you don't want to go back to that place 10 years ago and how much, even if you're having a bad day today, how compared to 10 years ago, at your lowest point, this is still so much better. And you can, and you're the one that made it that way. And, and through seeking treatment and through the things that you did as part of that treatment, you can then keep yourself from going back there. Um, and so that, that sort of um, idea of taking something positive, finding the positive, finding the strength that you have and, and building on that. And, and you talked about it in treatment being incremental, little bits at a time, that it, it took patience and it took time to do, but, but that what you did was gradually sort of build back up um, to a place that you felt much more comfortable. Um, so that sort of that sort of building in little bits and pieces, but building on the po- finding the positive and building on it. One of my favorite uh, lyrics uh, from a song is from a, an artist named Joe Budden, and he has a line that says, I'm not here because I fell down, I'm here because I got up. And I've always taken that to be that I may fall into a depression here, but this is still much, this is a better situation I'm in now than it was a long time ago because I have fought through this and I've gotten to a better place. So even though this feels like a lull, it really is a much better place than, than I've been before. Um, and if that's not what he meant, whatever, that's what I, that's what I took from it. So, <laughs> uh, Wendy, let's talk about treatment okay. um, and seeking treatment mm-hmm. because we know that it's intimidating for mm-hmm. anybody, mm-hmm. veteran or not, um, and mental, physical, doesn't matter. Getting treatment's always intimidating. Walking into a hospital uh, or a doctor's office is intimidating no matter what it is, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and then having to be vulnerable with a mental health condition is even more intimidating. Uh, let's start with veterans. Um, what, what should they know about getting treatment for a mental health condition? Like, what is that experience initially like? Um, a couple of things that I would want someone to know who's, th- who's having difficulties, who's struggling and thinking about maybe they ought to reach out for some support or, or um, reach out for some mental health treatment. One is to know that there are effective treatments available. For every mental health condition, there are effective treatments available. It may not be the first, the minute you walk in the doctor, it likely will not be the minute you walk in the doctor's office that that treatment, that you figure it out right away and takes effect right away. Moses, you talked about you know it being sort of a, a process. Um, and but there are treatment there are effective treatments available. There are different types of treatments available. There are medications that help with some types of problems. There's counseling. Sometimes it's the combination of both that work best for an individual person. And it really is a matter of working with your doctor or with your counselor to determine what's the best 
what's the most effective thing for you? What's going to be most helpful for you? What's going to make the most difference for you? And if something doesn't work right away or the first thing you try doesn't work right away, um, to stick with it and to talk with your doctor and really think about the um, the process as, as just that, as a process where you're a partner in that with your doctor, with your counselor, and you're both working together towards figuring out what are going to be the best solutions for you. And um, so not to get discouraged if the first thing you try doesn't work or if it takes some time or if, as you said, Moses, some days you left a therapy session feeling worse than you had coming in. If you had given up at that point, you wouldn't have continued to make the progress that you made, right? But you stuck with it and you really made a commitment to it and and worked with your counselor to kind of work through those difficult points to get to the other side of that. So um, I think that the the ideas that there are effective treatments that are available, that um, it may take some work, uh, it will take some work um, on your part and it may take some work working with your doctor, but really, by continuing to have a dialogue and think about your work, um, your mental health treatment as a partnership, and um, you know, being honest with yourself and being honest with your clinician about whether things are getting better or not, and what things seem to be helping and what things don't seem, you know, what things are not as helpful, um, will help you continue to stay on a path um, towards uh, getting better if you reach out for treatment. So one one of the biggest uh, challenges that. Uh, any human being has right is setting a resolution, deciding that like, they're that they're going to be better at doing something, right? And a lot of times we people pledge to go to the gym, and when they get motivated, they like overcommit, right? Like I'm going to go to the gym four times a week, and then two Wednesday comes rolls around, they realize they haven't been to the gym once yet, and then just sort of give up, right? Um, it's because they gave themselves too much of they try to challenge themselves with too much. How can, how can veterans or anybody really, especially their family members that are trying to motivate, mm-hmm. how, can they, where, how can they set the bar low enough on, on what the first step is mm-hmm. towards a, a good experience um, that will help them um, get past that barrier to entry and then realize, okay, a little bit is enough to be effective and then want to do more? Yeah, yeah that's a great, a great point and a great question. And I think the very first thing is by having an open conversation about it and continuing to have an open conversation about it and by continuing to pay attention yourself about to how things are going and um, to look for those small steps and to take small steps. So just by letting a family member know that you don't think things are quite right, whether whether you're the family member that's concerned about a veteran or whether you're the veteran who's experiencing some difficulties, by even letting the person know that like something's not quite right here, that's making a change. And that's taking things in the in a, a more positive direction and, and being honest about that. And then, you know, maybe it's then the next step is to just learn some more. And um, you know, identify or, or get your, you know, for yourself some ideas about what might be going on or what things might be helpful. Um, whether it's by talking to a friend or a colleague that you know has had similar challenges, or again, you know, by continuing to talk with a, a loved one, reaching out to your doctor or counselor. Um, and then also, I go back to the idea that we talked about a little bit ago about building on um, strengths and identifying small steps. So as even on those darkest days and those um, hardest days, what's one thing that you can do that you're gonna feel good about? 
that you're either gonna enjoy or that you're gonna feel good that you got done. Focus on that one thing, get it done, and then you're more likely to be able to do it again tomorrow or do more tomorrow. Um, and so thinking about the sort of small steps and, and focusing on what's, what's something positive that I can draw on to, and build on. So not, not to challenge that, to play it, but to, to, to speak from experience, um, what if all those things that you mentioned are things that I find less enjoyable because of the way that I feel? Does that make sense? I think so. And I, I apologize for putting you on a spot with that <laughs> question, but it was one of the things that yeah, came to mind. Because yeah, yeah. I'll, I'll admit, I've recently come out of a, a, a funk uh, of late, and that was something that I struggled with. Mm -hmm. Was I knew, okay, I'm going to do. I have these things that I enjoy doing, and I went and did a couple of them, and I just wasn't feeling wasn't it. Wasn't feeling it. You know, yeah. it just I almost felt detached mm -hmm. from this mm -hmm. activity mm -hmm. because mm -hmm. the, because of the way that I was mm -hmm. feeling. Mm -hmm. What's a way to address right. that? So t what I hear. Part of what I hear in that is that you noticed a change, something you used to enjoy sure. and that you weren't enjoying anymore. And it's, it's that kind of change that would prompt that, that if you're paying attention to it, will make you say, okay, something isn't right here. Let me talk to my doctor about that. Let me talk to my spouse about that and you know, see what, and, and let them, let a loved one know what you're experiencing and if there's anything they can do to support you but also you know maybe that's the time to reach out to a counselor or a doctor when yeah. when you're noticing that there's a change there um, I have learned to and I'm curious your thoughts on this on the way that you behave I have learned that when I'm in if I if I feel depressed and I notice that it's affecting my mood and the way that I behave I will tell my wife and I will tell someone at work, any, any, any one of my colleagues, and, be, you know, but, but, and so that way, two people, so that way, that, that's what, what, 80% of my day, right, being around my wife at home or being at work, and so that way, all my bases are covered on people, at least someone knowing that there's something going on. Um, do, you, do you do that at all? Do you announce to anybody that you're feeling a little off? My wife, when I tell her, she says, I know, right? Like she, right. <laughs> so she already knows when I tell her, and I'm sure that, you're, uh, that your family has, has a similar reaction, but um, what's your approach to that? I mean, it is that. <clears throat> I, I've had those days at the gym. You know, the gym is my litmus test, is how am I feeling, you know? And there's days, you're not gonna have a good day at the gym every single day, but you know, if I'm like, man, I just did not like this. You know, I, I hated being here. I'm glad I showed up, but man, I didn't want to be here. You know, hey, how was your, how was the gym? Eh. You know, yeah. and just being, just being cognizant, just being cognizant of that mm -hmm. is a step forward and saying, all right, I, I got to make sure that I'm really being present today and really, you know, paying attention to how I feel about things and asking yourself these questions like, am I having a down day or is something really off? And for the most part, it's usually just, you know, not every day is a great one. Um, but I, I definitely announce it because it, it doesn't really make up for behavior. It doesn't excuse behavior, but it says, hey, maybe I'm just not on my game today. It's just, you know, if there's something dramatic, if it's unless it's an emergency, let's just put it on hold. Let me, let me figure this out. And being that open and vulnerable to your coworkers, to, to your family members, most of the time they're like, all right, cool. You know, they'll work with you. It's not like they're gonna drive a point home and push you further. It, 
if they care about you, they want you to be better. They want you to be okay. And also their, their moods are affected by you. Like yeah. the, the mental health thing, not just for veterans, for everyone, it doesn't happen in a vacuum. Your mood affects other people. And if you just snap at somebody for no good reason, that's going to mess up their day. And you don't want to, you don't want to be responsible for that either. So it, it really sets the tone that, you know, maybe today is not the day, but it'll get better. Yeah. Let's, so let's get, on, let's get on the other side then of treatment, right? Uh, we've learned about uh, your service, your transition, seeking treatment, its effects. Now, what are the benefits of that? You know, so many years later, what benefits are you still noticing from that original decision to seek support? Um, I get to normalize it to other veterans. Um, the stigma, the, to society's credit, the conversation about mental health has gotten better to where, hey, I, I've been diagnosed with PTSD. That's not going to, for the most part, it's not going disqualify to disqualify me from any jobs. But that stigma still exists, right? Um, so there's veterans who will almost end up like, hey, I'm just not feeling right. You know, whispering and like, it's all good. It's natural. Like the question is, are you going to do something about it? I'm in a really privileged position at, C at California State University of San Marcos to work with other veterans and normalize these things with the goal, of, with the intent of helping them get better, helping them seek treatment. That's part of the whole person approach is you got to get your mental game on point um, because that, you know, what is, if, if you played sports, right? 90% of it's mental. And that's your professional life. That's your family life. If your mental game is on point, it's going to negatively affect everything else. And you can only fake it for so long before you end up in a place you don't want to be. And I, I'm just in a really great position to really normalize, you know, this conversation and let them know that it's natural, it's okay, and then you know, motivate them. The next step is go seek that help. Yeah, and you said sports is uh, is is mostly mental. I'll tell you, I'm getting to that age where it doesn't matter how hard I think about it. Yeah, we're just old now. <laughs> yeah, uh, getting on the court's and, a little tougher. <laughs> and Moses, I have a, a follow-up question that you talked about how how you're now in a position to normalize for other veterans and talk to them about what they're going through from a perspective of understanding because you've been through it. Do you also feel like there are other ways in your life where you're more present since seeking treatment and more that um, ways in which it's made a difference for you personally? The it it's helped me just be, be present with my family. It's it helped me to be present with my son, understanding the basic, basics of human development and not getting mad when he gets mad, not matching his moods. Mm -hmm. It's helped me be more present with my daughter and understanding that a little girl is vastly different than raising a little boy. Um, it's helped me really navigate mm -hmm. uh, my family and, you know, it, it's helped me kind of be like rising, a rising tide yeah. where I get to bring people up around me. And it's, a, it's something that I thoroughly enjoy now, where it's something that I used to dread. I mean, there's always going to be that little issue, like, am I doing the right thing? Am I being a good parent? Am I being a good co-parent? But for the most part, I'm, I'm in this position to where I can really bring people up with me. And it, it's something that I'm so present for and so happy for. And that's really... And, and seeking treatment, the, the biggest thing that it allowed me to do was learn how to be present and learn how to really just enjoy moments. And I, I just started doing things that I liked doing and I ended up being good at it. And luckily there was a market for my, my services and things that I enjoyed doing and eventually became a passion. Like I'm living my passion every single day. And I, this isn't something that's unique to me. I feel like everyone can do that. And I don't think that's a cliche thing, but it's, in, it's 
making sure you're honest with yourself, making sure that you are present with yourself in order to be like, all right, maybe I didn't like that, or maybe I really enjoyed this. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe it just means my passion is being a good parent, and now I get to be present with them and live every moment and be with them. Yeah. So let's, uh, as we begin to wrap this up, let's let's talk about then um, the uh, the approach to communicating to veterans that it's okay to see, to seek support and how we communicate to family members um, how to recommend that a veteran should be seeking support. And, uh, we'll start with you. And um, one thing that I've learned is that veteran is the, the number one way that I've learned that veterans will be open to all of this is by revealing that you've experienced it yourself, right? As soon as as soon as someone sees like my TED talk or something like that, I get messages like, "Hey, I'm I'm feeling this way. You know what? You know what'd you do when you were in this situation?" And um, and I've noticed that the what the 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 thing that connects all of that is that they were they saw that I shared my stories so now they want to talk to me about theirs. Um, so what do you talk to veterans in either in your professional um, situation or even in your personal life? How do you communicate to veterans that it's okay to get support? It's okay to seek treatment. It's pretty much that. I mean, at Cal State San Marcos, I'm in a privileged position where I talk to transitioning veterans every single day, and um, it's really saying like I have a pretty good idea what you're going through, and it's okay. And I'm telling you from my position, it gets better as long as you're patient and go seek that treatment. You know, as long as you're open and vulnerable and willing to go seek that help, it gets better. The only way it doesn't get better is if you don't seek that treatment, you don't take that therapy seriously, or you don't engage in exercises that are meant for you to move forward in your life. Um, So my position allows me to really, really meet them. And of course, being a veterans counselor, you know, in higher ed, it leads some credit to what I'm saying is true. And I enjoy it, I love doing it. And I'm really, I I take that position very seriously. Sure. So uh, when the family members that are maybe dealing with a veteran is very uncertain about getting treatment, they're intimidated themselves, how do we encourage family members to address that with that veteran? A couple of things. One is we've talked a little bit about just starting the conversation, just asking. By, so if you are concerned that you've noticed changes, if um, the veteran in your life is having symptoms, more irritable, withdrawing from friends or family, not doing things they used to enjoy or, or normally would do, um, ask them about it would be the first thing. And, and that can be intimidating. Those are hard conversations to have. And the first one might not go well. And the second one might not go well. And, and, and just like we were talking about earlier with sticking with treatment um, and making a commitment to that, really um, starting that conversation. And VA actually has a program called Coaching Into Care to help families who if are concerned about a veteran. There's a, a mental health, it's a, a um, telephone coaching program where a family member can call the coaching into care program, a mental health professional can talk to them about what they're concerned about, what steps they can take, how to have those conversations, and kind of give the family member support through helping initiate that process. So that's one thing um, that that family members can do. And also really um, learning more yourself about what might be going on. can help you go into those conversations with some idea of what you want to say and what you want to encourage the person to do. I think, you know, the most important thing is also going into those conversations, realizing that 
if you're struggling, there is help available, there's support available, there are effective treatments. So if you can get to that point, get sort of through that initial barrier of um, you know, realizing that you might need some help and then taking the first step towards getting some help, um, then, then it, um, the things fall into place easier sort of once you get through those, those initial barriers. Sure. Um, so uh, we're coming to the, to the end of our, our hour soon. I want to make sure that we get everything out that we came in here uh, to talk about. Uh, so Mosawani, um, let's, let's wrap up with either some final thoughts, something that you want to make sure we expand on, something you think we've missed. Wendy, we'll, we'll start with you. Okay. Um, one thing I want to say is thank you to both of you for um, talking about your experiences. It takes strength to ask for help, and it also takes strength to talk publicly about it, as you were talking about, Moses. It's still not something that our culture talks about much, but we have an opportunity really in May, especially, but throughout the year with Mental Health Month to talk about it and to raise awareness and to help people realize that there are effective treatments available, that recovery is possible, that change is possible, and that anybody who's struggling isn't the only one that's had those experiences. And there are hundreds of veterans, for example, like Moses um, and, and hundreds of others who have come forward through VA's Make the Connection program and shared their own personal stories of challenges they've faced, treatments they've received, what's been helpful for them, and what kinds of changes they've made in their lives. And, and they've done that really in hopes of encouraging other veterans to seek care. And so I hope that people will take advantage of this opportunity to have a conversation with someone about mental health, whether it's someone you're concerned about or just talking by, by as a nation, we have an opportunity to change the way people respond to and change the way people view mental health, mental health conditions, mental health treatment. And, and I hope this conversation will, will help those additional conversations happen. Absolutely. Mo? Pretty much along the same lines. It, it gets better, right? Um, doing something is better than doing nothing. You know, doing a Google search is a better option than sitting on the couch doing nothing. Saying, hey, I need help is better than being quiet. That, being open and vulnerable and saying, I do need help is a sign of strength. Trying to bottle up and work through it is, is oftentimes a recipe for just not good things. And that veterans don't have the market cornered on mental health issues. The mental health issues, mental health, anything is a very human thing. And I think we should all really be open to these conversations that not everybody is going to have, everybody is in a place and be open and willing to have those conversations, to meet someone where they're at, to encourage them to get help and, and let them know that you're not alone. People have been in it before. It's probably going some, so going, someone going through it right now, but it does get better as long as you're active and helping it make, make it get better. Absolutely. Wendy, Moses, thank you so much for, for joining me and having this open discussion. Uh, thank you to the audience at home for, for watching. You can uh, subscribe to the Make the Connection YouTube channel to see uh, more inspiring video, uh, stories just like Moses. Um, you can also follow Make the Connection on Facebook and Instagram to search Veterans MTC in either one of those platforms. And finally, check out me what mental health means to other veterans by visiting maketheconnection.net slash MHM. Thank you for joining us. Have a nice day. Thank you.